0: All right. Hello and welcome. My name is Bob Wilkinson. I'm the general manager for Amazon CloudWatch. Such an exciting time to be here at reInvent with all of you customers and partners in the audience. We're here today to talk about CloudWatch logs and Lambda, two services we're pretty excited about. So just as a quick audience poll, the level set here, how many of you are CloudWatch logs users today? All right. Love all those hands. I'd say definitely over half. Now, what about Lambda? How many of you use Lambda in, in some context? All right, almost as many. Now here's the the key question. How many of you have done both? How many of you have done a Lambda function with your logs in some way? All right. Pretty small. So it looks like you might be in the right place. I hope we have some some really interesting things for you. And, of course, these are going to be focused on monitoring and how we are going to give you some new tools to do more with monitoring and, and tailor these monitoring use cases for your needs. So what we'll do first is I'd like to spend just a few minutes talking about industry trends and monitoring. I think these are important because it really informs us you know, why we have to think about monitoring, why it's important, and what we're doing about it as CloudWatch. Next we'll just briefly talk about what is CloudWatch and CloudWatch logs. A little bit intro to Lambda as well just to, to level set for the more important part of the talk. And then I'll be joined by my colleague Robert Waugh who's going to walk us through three specific use cases that we'll show you. So the first scenario will be about centralizing logs. So this will be a way to take logs or log data that may be in S3 and centralize it in CloudWatch Logs so that you can use the features of CloudWatch Logs. The second scenario is a way to enrich alarms. So it's a way to take the basic alarm notification out of CloudWatch Alarms, enrich that with other information that makes it more actionable, gives your users and operators more context when they get that alarm. And then last, we'll show you how to build an on-demand scalable elastic search cluster. So this is a use case where you may want to do a specific data analysis, not keep that cluster running all the time, not bear the management burden of that but just you have a particular window of data you'd like to get to Elasticsearch and do some deeper analysis. All right, so I'm gonna start with a meme, if you bear with me. Now, if you ever haven't even seen the This is Fine dog, I think it's, my colleagues told me this is the, the most popular meme of 2016. I don't know if that's true or not, but I, I think this applies in a lot of contexts. and I would submit to you that this dog has a monitoring problem. Does he not? I mean, how many times have we been in a situation, we think everything's okay, but actually it's not. So let's walk through a a little scenario. This actually is a true story. I've changed some names to protect the innocent. All right, so so you own important app. Seems like everything's okay, right? Uh, You didn't know anything was going on. Customer writes a ticket, says important app is down. Well, this is news. So John, the on-call developer, is paged. He starts to engage. None of your alarms fired here. You didn't know what was going on. What I've tried to do on each step of our scenario here is capture the Kind of the predominant emotion that's going through. And I would suggest here, kind sort of blissful ignorance, right? It's fine. We didn't even know anything was going on. Turns out something is going on. All right, so John, the operator, starts to engage, starts to look at dashboards. Remember, he didn't have an alarm, so he's not directly pointed to a run book. He's sort of looking at the dashboards, trying to discern what's going on. He does see some sort of impact. He sees some, some intermittent available impact on the dashboard. He's not sure, really, uh, how many customers might be affected or really where to begin troubleshooting. I think he makes a good call here. He escalates to a manager on call so here i think we're going to state of confusion right john really doesn't know what's going on made a good step to escalate to his manager all right more tickets are pouring in here so this is, does appear to be a pretty real incident more things are happening our escalation manager jane has joined the event she starts to help too starts to try to assess the situation impact lo and behold their cto has also noticed this through through watching something else he says, jane what's going on with important app Now, I don't know about you, but I've been in situations like this, and I start to feel stress here, right? The thing you own is down. Customers are having problems. You're not living up to your expectations. This gets quite stressful. All right, so now John and Jane, of course, they're on the hook here. Uh, They recall there was some recent issue where they saw some customers that were issuing expensive operations. They say, well, maybe that's what's going on here. Maybe there's a customer that's changed their behavior. John starts to log dive. Uh, Unfortunately, this wasn't a a log that they had put in CloudWatch Logs or some other source for the centralized. So he's on the host. He's running greps, trying to figure something out. They identify maybe a customer that might be doing something. John sees some expensive queries in the logs. So they they run through the process here. Jane cuts a ticket to that team saying, hey, please stop whatever you're doing. John's going to go ahead and prepare a change to blacklist this customer. Now, they don't know it yet, but actually this is false hope, right? We don't really know if this is what's going on. Turns out it was not. So the other team engages said they had not done anything, there was no deployment, they didn't change anything. That, that application was always doing those queries. And then John and Jane confirmed the same thing when after they deploy this blacklist, the event still continues. They're still seeing this intermittent availability impact. They're kind of out of ideas here. And John says, you know what, we have a standby, let's just fail over. It can't hurt, right? All right, here I would suggest we're probably at the stage of desperation. Now, in this case, there's a happy ending here. actually, that actually does work. So the failover worked. Important app recovers. Yay. Life is good. Uh, John and Jane pursue through a, a pretty good root cause process. Turns out a few weeks ago they'd used the new JDBC version. There was different semantics around closing connections in that version. Introduced a memory leak. Led to Java heap exhaustion. GC pauses was causing these availability impacts. So they fixed the leak. They add the alarms, the memory usage, of course, that probably should have been there. They tuned the service alarms, right? We we were missing this, it was an intermittent impact, so our service alarms didn't take, you know, didn't tell us something was going on there like it should have. We've reached maybe a state of enlightenment here, but I'd say, can we do better than this, right? Is is this really the the state of monitoring and where it should be today? And I don't think so, and I'll call it a few things here, I think there's probably more. But often we have missing alarms. And a lot of the times when we have those alarms, they're not as actionable as they could be. Now, if you remember, that's going to be one of our demos. The second demo will be how do we take our alarms and make them more actionable using Lambda in this case. Second case, often we don't have the right logs. Maybe also not the right metrics in this case. But we also don't have the right logs, and interacting with them can be tedious. And so we're one of the, another one of the demo scenarios will be about how to take information that may reside somewhere else and put it in a place, such as CloudWatch Logs, where you can use it to interact with it in real time. And then finally our dashboards aren't always telling us enough information about customer impact or the behavior changes that they're making so if you remember in this scenario we sort of started out we weren't sure we knew there was something going on we didn't know how many customers were being impacted and we we can just we can do better here too now we won't cover this in the demo today but uh, hopefully we'll maybe can come back and tell you about that sometime soon so i think hopefully we've seen through this obviously monitoring is super important right If we had had the right monitoring place, hopefully we could have seen this case before it ever started, before it ever impacted customers. But also we start to see why this is really hard. So let's take one step back and talk about these more macro trends in the industry that's making monitoring really hard right now. One is that complexity is increasing, right? Our applications are built off microservices. So lots of components, lots of microservices. We heard a lot about that in the keynote today. Applications are written in different languages and frameworks. They're increasingly running on transient resources like containers and serverless compute, which we're gonna talk about today. There's specialization of the persistence tier. It's not just apps built on relational databases anymore, right, we know this, that there's NoSQL databases and SQL databases and in-memory databases and and every every database under the sun. Applications are more dynamic, right? We also saw this in the keynote as well today. But we're we're testing and building and deploying small changes. we're, We're rapidly changing our application. And as the scale and design of all these things are changing, so are the infrastructure needs to go along with it. Applications are global, and with that comes customer behavior that's that's increasingly unpredictable. And then we know that the role of automation is increasing, right? We need to automate more and more of our processes, but this means this is also magnifying all those changes. So our monitoring has to keep up. Next, maybe speaking to why monitoring is so important, but there's more and more business impact. It's undeniable, right? The role of applications in business outcomes such as revenue, costs, and SLA. We know that businesses everywhere are, are having to evolve themselves to maintain and gain competitive advantage. And undeniably, we all have increased the expectations from our customers for the applications and services that we're building. And the last trend I think is that monitoring is no longer a standalone thing because of all these other trends. You know, we used to roll up a server and put some software on it. Maybe we create a static dashboard and then just watch that dashboard once a week and life was good. But it's not like that anymore, and we know that. Right? We're provisioning resources, containers and instances and using Lambda, and these things are being provisioned in real time. We have to you know configure them in real time and monitor them in real time. So there are all these trends that are making monitoring increasingly important but also increasingly hard. So as CloudWatch, what are we doing about this? So CloudWatch today, it's a portfolio of of, of tools. Covering metrics, alarms, logs, events, dashboards. There will be more over time. But how we think about this is really these, these four areas I'd like to talk about. Which is to help you see, then react, diagnose, ultimately to resolve whatever problems may be impacting your applications and services. So first, to see. So what we're doing today, CloudWatch today gives you metrics, logs, events from all your AWS resources that you're using. And we'll we'll have a constant list of these, you know, the growing list of these over time. We'll probably and more. Now, of course, in each case as well, these metrics, logs, and events, you can do your own. You can do your own custom uh, from the APIs that we provide. Now, what you'll see from us over the near term in this area will be easier tools to collect and publish metrics and logs. So increasing amount of agents and SDKs that we provide to make it easier to get the metrics that you need from your applications and services. So next, with all that data that you're seeing, you have to be able to react to that and do that in, in increasingly intelligent ways. So today, of course, you can define an alarm, which is the uh, ability to look at a metric. You define a threshold that crosses the threshold and you can trigger some action. Similarly, you can write an event rule. So you can say, when I see this event, I'd like to take this particular action off in a, a Lambda function. In this area, we'll be providing more and, and smarter ways to act on these things. So think of a you know, more advanced trigger criteria for alarms. Uh, We're looking at how to do uh, prediction-based alarms. We can alarm on prediction bands and things. So these are all things you'll see from us over the relatively near-term roadmap that we're doing. Now, when we look to diagnose, right after you've reacted, so you you know something's gone on, but now I have to figure out what's going on, and ideally, you know, hopefully this becomes automated as well. But so here you have tools like CloudWatch dashboards that are allowing you to inspect, navigate, zoom across your data. Uh, Something we did recently was the announcement of metrics to log. So. Uh, Since we launched the log service there was always the Ability to generate metrics from those log streams. We now gave you a tool to jump from a metric graph or a Dashboard into the particular logs that that generated that metric. So it's a really common troubleshooting pattern that we See is when you see a a point on a dashboard you'd like to Investigate, well, what would the logs actually tell me to Get those more details of what's going on there. Last, as i said, hopefully all of this really is about Resolving problems faster and with less effort. And Increasingly we see that over time where we need to head as a community is we have to make this automated, right? So in many cases, what we'll hope to be eventually is that we can detect these problems before they're ever impacting customers and do something about it, take those actions. So you know, today we give you tools such as, again, CloudWatch Actions. Uh, we'll show you ways to do it with Lambda. You'll be able to do that. But um, you know, increasingly looking at this to need to be automated. All right. So just briefly, if you've been paying attention, we have done quite a few announcements. So I'll run through them quickly. We announced the metrics price drop. We think you need more metrics, and we hope that a new price helps you to, uh, to do that. As I said, will there be more metrics logs and event sources? I haven't listed them all. There's always going to be a long list of these coming out. Uh, I mentioned the metrics to logs navigation, so this is sort of graphically shown where you're looking at a metric graph and be able to, draw, to drill it to the logs. We upgraded our metric retention from two weeks out to 15 months. Uh, this was done automatically. It will actually grow to 15 months over time. We didn't want to wait 15 months to launch it just so all that history was there. Warner mentioned this this morning, but we support arbitrary metric percentiles. So this is the ability to look at something like ELB request latency and see the difference between your P50 or your average and your P90 or P99 or whatever value makes sense. You'll often see a graph like as on the upper right where that, that P50 may be a relatively flat line, but you're seeing something interesting at the higher percentile values of P99. We find that that's a really important tool, and it's one of the important tools that we use to manage our services in, internally to Amazon. In the, to help with that C aspect, we released an open source plugin for CollectD that helps you publish on-host metrics about your processes, your instances, and whatnot into CloudWatch. Uh, we've had a number of improvements in dashboards over the year, so we had, had new widgets, a dark theme, y-axis limits. Enough of 've had a chance to play around with the new widgets we launched about a month ago. And then a little bit earlier in the year, we, we revamped our logs console. So We had a lot of feedback from you that our logs console needed to be more usable, so we, we revamped that and got a lot of good feedback on that. I hope that's helped you to interact with your logs in, in real time. Now I spent a lot of time talking about CloudWatch, but really it's important to, to know here: this is not just about what's inside CloudWatch you know we've said monitoring is hard it's really hard and every, you know every enterprise team situation is going to have unique needs and so you know any discussion of cloudwatch is really not complete without a discussion of our partner ecosystem it's really important we've got partners in the apm space and the log analytics space and the operational dashboarding space and these are all helping you to do you know helping you to meet these unique needs that you have because it's never just going to be what's inside cloudwatch and the maybe equally as importantly And so we give you the tools and flexibility to integrate CloudWatch with other AWS services. And, of course, we're going to see that here shortly with Robert. He's going to walk us through some of this. But there's a lot of powerful ways to integrate these different things and really tailor the monitoring to your own needs and your own business needs and your own application needs. So I'm going to dive just a bit deeper into the two services we're talking today before I hand it over to Robert. So first, CloudWatch Logs. It's a managed log service. It was built for arbitrary scale availability, durability, and security. What customers are doing today first is centralizing their logs. So I've shown Ingress options over to the left. We have a logs agent that you can install in any host, any agent. This allows you to point it at a log file and and stream those logs in near real time. We've done native integration with a number of AWS services. Again, this will be growing over time. Some of the more popular ones today are CloudTrail, VPC flow logs, Lambda, ECS logs as mentioned in the keynote this morning. By having all those logs centralized, what you get is you get the ability to search those. So you can, you can run text searches in near real time. And as I mentioned, you can also extract metrics from those, which is a powerful feature because you can take a particular data element in a log and have that emitted as a metric, which is then something you can put on a graph, set an alarm on, or to take other action on, which we'll see here shortly. And of course, once they're inside the service, it's uh, retention policies according to what you, you control. It's secure. Uh, pretty soon, we'll be launching KMS support, so that we'll, you know, on top of the encryption we already do inside of logs, you'll be able to use your own KMS keys to encrypt logs. And then, equally as interesting is what you can do on the Egress side of logs. So again, you know, we know that it's not just about what's in logs and what you can do there now, but we know that there's many tools that you're going to use, and these Egress options allow you to do that. So we've integrated with a number of AWS services, including Kinesis. Where you can egress a filtered subset of your logs to a kinesis stream and then consume those in whatever way you'd see fit. We have a built-in integration with Amazon Elasticsearch. So from the console, you can walk through a setup step of pointing, a, again, a filtered set of your logs at an Elasticsearch cluster. You can associate a Lambda function to your log group or log stream such that you can take a particular action on a log as it's coming through. And then we also have an S3 capability to export. So it's, this is a batch export where you can take a... Particular time range of data, export it to an S3 bucket Robert actually used this in one of his demo scenarios Now Lambda, just briefly Hopefully you know this as well But it's a serverless compute Right? We use this, this buzzword, but it really means that you can run code Without having to worry about the tedium of managing servers Warner did a great job this morning of characterizing some of that So it's you write the code, it only runs when you need it to And you're only paying for when it's running So at this point, I am going to turn it over to Robert, and he's going to start to walk us through our three scenarios.
1: Thank you, Bob. Hi, I'm Robert Waugh, service owner for CloudWatch Logs. Uh, We wanted to present to you uh, three demonstrations, uh, as Bob uh, introduced. Uh, Don't worry about uh, copying down the code. We're going to have a link at the end that's uh, a link to the GitHub repository for these examples uh, so you can customize them for your own purposes. So first, we're going to look at uh, how to centralize logs. The, uh, essentially, the problem here is that you've got your logs scattered all over the place. Right? You've got containers, you've got instances, you've got stuff being delivered in S3, and if you think that having a centralized log repository with consistent APIs and access controls uh, and retention policies is important, you need to figure out some way to federate all that data to one place. Uh, so and once it's in that one place in CloudWatch Logs, you're able to search and filter, extract metrics and these sort of things. Today, CloudWatch offers an agent uh, for instance logs. And for a lot of services at AWS, and more and more over time, uh, those, those can directly integrate with CloudWatch logs. But there are some products and services that still deliver logs to S3. So how do you get those into your central repository? Essentially, what we're going to do here is we're going to do a demonstration using ELB, uh, which you can configure to send your access logs to S3. Uh, we're going to uh, set up a object create event notification to Lambda, which is going to trigger a Lambda function. Uh, read the ELB log from S3, and then publish it to CloudWatch Logs. So in this demonstration, we're going to set up a little sample stack. Uh, we set up three Apache servers, one per AZ, as, you're, as you should always do. Uh, and we're going to set up a ELB uh, fronting those, those three Apache servers. We add those three Apache servers to our ELB. And we go in and we configure uh, S3 delivery of the access log to uh, our S3 bucket. Now that we have that going, uh, as objects are being created, you have the option to set up a Lambda function to trigger on the S3 object creation. Our Lambda function is going to uh, invoke when an object is created in S3. So ELB is delivering logs into S3, creating objects. Lambda function invokes, wakes up, uh, gets the S3 object out, uh, decompresses it, uh, breaks it up into pieces, and then calls the AWS SDK Put log events API uh, for CloudWatch Logs. And you can use this in any of your applications. We have a number of customers that use this API uh, to do to, to, uh, file-less uh, logging, to log straight to CloudWatch Logs uh, directly. But in this case, we're gonna use it to pull in these S3 objects that ELB's been delivering and putting them to uh, CloudWatch Logs. This is an interesting point where you can do some transformation, maybe get some uh, metadata uh, from other services, and that sort of stuff, and add it to your logs to annotate uh, as part of that. So now that we've got all this set up, we go in to test it out. Uh, we you know, do some accesses, hitting the default page, and we start seeing uh, the ELB logs delivering to S3. And as you see, it's just a collection of compressed files. You know, you're not really able to search them or do anything else with that. However, because there are limited functions invoking the background as these things are being created, uh, the data is flowing in in near real time uh, into your CloudWatch Logs console, and now you can see the uh, timeline series, the data organized uh, in a way that's a little easier to deal with in a collection of compressed files. We're able to, for instance, search the data. Uh, in this case, we're searching for get requests uh, for the last day. And we're also able to extract metrics out of the data. Essentially, uh, when your access logs land, uh, you post to the metric service. So, in this case, let's say uh, we're going to look for uh, requests that had latencies greater than one millisecond. And we want to keep a count of how, how many uh, requests are breaching our expected SLAs. We define our ELB latency filter. And this, this is a counting metric. Uh, we assign it a default value of one. Uh, as you see below here, uh, if you've configured your uh, metric filter, you can also choose a bunch of other things. Uh, for instance, uh, you can pull out status codes or receive bytes sent and emit those into uh, a metric. Now, once the, as, the, as the log data is landing into the S3 bucket being triggered, uh, triggering a, a, the Lambda function, which is putting in CloudWatch logs, CloudWatch logs is extracting uh, a metric out of that for these high latency requests. And we can see our high latency requests here. Uh, in, in this graph. With the changes uh, that Bob mentioned on Metrics to logs, you'd be able to uh, narrow in on a, on a spike in Your latencies and then ask it to take you straight to those Log entries uh, and only show you the log entries that are above Your latency threshold. So in, in this, uh, using this this demonstration, you're able to now centralize any of your logs uh, that are being delivered in S3 uh, alongside your instance logs using our agent or logs delivered from Amazon services. Uh, you're able to search and extract uh, from these from these logs in uh, near real time. In our second uh, demonstration, we're going to look at customizing alarms. Today, when you receive an alarm, you, you may not have all the information that you need from your business attached to the alarm. We include information that we think is helpful to you. Uh, As a customer, but it's very general purpose. Uh, We we, we don't know your specific needs, uh, so it may not be actionable enough uh, if you have special information that you'd like to put in there. Because ultimately, when you get paged, let's say you're you know you're out to dinner uh, and you get a page, and it's really not the best time uh, to dive into your laptop. It's really helpful to be able to look at your page and see the context of what was going on and. You, know, you can make a decision whether it needs immediate attention or you can defer it, or it's possibly something that you need to escalate and rotate to another service uh, operator team. Uh, and you can do that action if, if you can get it right there on the initial alert. You may also want to add your runbooks uh, and other metadata and information to your alarms so that your operators can know very quickly where to get started uh, and what's expected given this type of alarm. So in this one, what we're going to do is we're going to uh, generate error logs, uh, which we're sending to CloudWatch logs, uh, and then trigger an alarm off of that, which will be published to an SNS topic. That SNS topic will trigger an event notification in Lambda, and we'll have a Lambda function that's going to pull the information out of the alarm, go back, search the log service for the SLA breach uh, that was emitted from the from the log service, and invoke uh, SES with those logs uh, to forward onto the operator to tell Them uh, in, a, in a rich text format uh, with your runbook and everything Else attached to it what to do. So similar to the prior Thing, we're going to set up a little dummy application. In this case, we're going to set up a Tomcat. Uh, we've got our CloudWatch logs agent installed on it. So it's forwarding over the HTTP requests in the real time. Uh, we see here the timeline of data as it flows through. We go ahead and we set up another uh, metric extraction as we as we did before. In this case, we want to look for unauthorized access attempts. So we want to see if somebody is trying to, to penetrate uh, our service. So we look for a status code 401 in those logs. Again, this is a counting uh, metric, so we choose the metric value of one, and we give it a name, unauthorized access filter. Now we're going to go in and we're going to create an alarm based on that. This alarm, as we see, it's after Uh, In one consecutive point, if we see more than five unauthorized access attempts, we're going to trigger an alarm uh, notification to our on-call. We now attach a Lambda function to the SNS topic that the alarm notification is going to. And we've created an example uh, uh, Lambda function, which is, again, available in our GitHub repository that we'll show at the end of the deck here. And what this is doing is it's taking the alarm notification from the SNS message. It's pulling out the the metric name, the metric namespace, as as well as other information such as the the time uh, of the alarm. (coughs) Using that information, we're able to call uh, actually, sorry, in the previous slide, uh, we're able to call uh, the public API describe uh, metric filters uh, through the AWS SDK, which takes in uh, a metric name uh, and gives you back the log groups and the metric filter definitions attached to it. Now, one of the interesting things about how we've implemented metrics to logs and how logs works is that our search, API, or our search syntax for searching logs has exactly the same syntax as the uh, syntax you use for extracting metrics from logs. So that means you can take that same. Uh, metric filter definition and apply it to our filter log events API uh, you remember, remember in the prior slide we described the metric filters we got the log group out we got a, the filter pattern out, and from the alarm, we know the timestamps uh, that are relevant like when did the alarm stop uh, and w- or when did the alarm start and when did it stop so we 're able to call filter log events with these parameters with the log group that we want to search with the filter expression that identifies the log entries, uh, and the time range of the alarm. And we get out a sample uh, of log data, which we then generate uh, an email out of by merging in our template for on-call support with both the instance information and the log messages uh, from that particular alarm period, along with, let's say, runbook information, uh, the account, region, other metadata, you, you know, you could, if you have the instance as the stream name, for instance, you could uh, go out and uh, call EC2 metadata calls and annotate it. Uh, so, you know, this is a security thing, so maybe you want to put in the security group information and uh, other uh, pieces of data. Test it out. We go in, we generate a bunch of 401s, uh, and we get our alarm. This is the normal alarm that you get today from CloudWatch alarms. It's got essentially all the information you need in it, but it's not necessarily in the format that your on-call needs in order to resolve a problem quickly. Your on-call, however, receives a message that tells them clearly what the alarm was, what the runbook for resolving this sort of situation is, the account, region, other metadata, the time of the alarm, and then it gives them a sample uh, of each of the events that contributed to the alarm being triggered. So with this sort of pattern, you can customize your alarms to add specific details about your issues and customize your alerting to your specific <coughs> for your specific business. When you see a spike in metrics, you can also get the logs that were generated when triggering the alarm. Uh, and the Lambda function can be extended to add whatever information you'd like. Now we're on to our third uh, demonstration here. Uh, in this demonstration, we're going to build an on-demand Scalable Elasticsearch Cluster. We, we announced last year our ability to integrate seamlessly with the Amazon Elasticsearch service. The way that that works today is that data is flowing and in real time. Uh, and if you, if you want to do log analysis with the Elasticsearch service uh, using the, the data delivered from CloudWatch Logs, it needs to always be running and accumulating that data in real time. But sometimes we don't want to leave that cluster running all the time. That means that we have to—we have some you, just another thing to, to manage, to scale, to watch, uh, and make sure it's operating uh, correctly. Uh, plus, you're paying for it all the time, and if you're not looking at these logs at all times, it's not a very good use of uh, of your budget. And sometimes our logs are are not critical logs at all times. Sometimes they're, you know, mass amounts of firewall logs or you know system message logs and. These may be relatively low value to have in an index product at all time. But with the CloudWatch logs pricing model, it's, it's affordable to collect them all. But now, you, if you want to do some sort of deep-dive analysis on it, uh, you need to be able to take that historical data from any point in time, export it into an Elasticsearch cluster. And what we're going to show you here is a way to do that on demand. So what we do here is we collect CloudWatch Logs data uh, over a period of time. Then we're going to go through and we're going to use the export to S3 functionality in CloudWatch Logs. Borrowing the pattern that we used in the first demonstration, we're going to trigger on the object create event notifications to Lambda. Then our Lambda function is going to transform the data, restructure it, uh, maybe add in some meta meta information uh, from other services similar to what we saw uh, in the prior examples, but you can also uh, break up the log into, into more detailed pieces for indexing in Elasticsearch through this. And then we're going to forward those logs to the Elasticsearch ATB endpoint. So we first go in, and we're going to configure VPC flow logs. Uh, for people that aren't familiar with this, uh, this is the ability to capture, essentially, a, a, a span port audit summary for your VPC. It gives you information on uh, source and destination IPs, ports, the amount of data transferred, whether your ACLs accepted or rejected it. Uh, a, a common pattern is, you know, making sure that your uh, accept and reject criteria for your VPC access is what you actually believe it to be. So, you, what you, the way you enable these logs is you go into the uh, VPC console, uh, you choose your VPC, and you ask. And there's a there's a flow logs tab uh, where you configure. Uh, whether you want to get the accept, reject, or all the events, and set up the role uh, for delivery to CloudWatch logs, and which destination log group those logs will go to. Once we've got that configured, uh, in our VPC flow logs log group, we start seeing log streams of information, one per ENI uh, and um, an event level. Uh, in this case, this is all the events. Uh, it, you can choose between accept or reject or all. And so we see here we've got all uh, the accept and the rejects in here as well. Uh, the log data, it's a little dense and hard to consume as a human being. It's got timestamps, ENIs, uh, IP addresses, port numbers, and all sorts of stuff in there. <laughs> so we're going to go ahead and set this up uh, into our Elasticsearch cluster. So we go into the Elasticsearch console and we create an Elasticsearch domain. Uh, We set it up with the number of of nodes that we need and the instance types and this sort of things, click create, uh, and it goes off and starts creating our Elasticsearch cluster for us. In the meantime, we go in uh, and we set up our Lambda function, as we saw in the first demonstration, on S3 object create uh, to trigger a Lambda function. And in our lambda function, we're going to go ahead and get The s3 object just as we did in the first demonstration, uh, Decompress it, start parsing out the data. Then we transform that into json. Uh, this This is how you ingest into the Elasticsearch service. And you can do whatever customizations you'd like to do here. You can annotate it with, with meta information about the log itself, and you can query instances. A, a popular thing in this, this sort of model uh, is to query the VPC uh, metadata to get uh, ACLs and uh, and, um, um, and <coughs> um, security group information to attach into the VPC logs to help you with your audits. And then we're going to format this uh, data and put it into the bulk uh, ingestion API for Elasticsearch it has a, a HTTP restful endpoint. We're going to take advantage of that uh, to ingest. Now, we've got our Lambda function set up. We've got VPC flow log data flowing into the service. And we're going to trigger an export to our S3 bucket that everything's attached to. We go to the logs console. We select the log group. We go to the actions, and we choose export data S3. In here, you're able to choose the time range uh, that you want to extract from that log group, and you can deliver it to your own bucket uh, in your account, or a common uh, popular thing is to export into a centralized uh, bucket uh, across your accounts and regions, so you can get a cross-regional view uh, and cross-account view of your, your operations. And if you do that, you'll choose the other account option here. Once we trigger that, uh, the log service diligently goes out there and starts uh, reassembling all of your data uh, into, into objects that it dumps into your S3 bucket. Uh, the prefixes and there will be by log stream, and so in this case for VPC data, it's by ENI. Uh, inside of this, uh, you'll find uh, sort of similar to what you see with the EOB logs, you'll see a bunch of compressed objects that stream in as the log service prepares them. As it's streaming in, uh, it's, we're, remember, we're invoking the object create notification in Lambda. The Lambda function is decompressing the data, reformatting it, and posting it to the Elasticsearch cluster. We can start seeing it flow in uh, in Kibana. And once you've got everything loaded into your Elasticsearch cluster, you can go in and start doing different sorts of analyses. Uh, you can look at like the bytes accepted, rejected, and that sort of stuff to help you ch- see what the surface area of the incident looked like. Let's suppose that we had, you know, a, a network breach three months ago that we just realized, and we want to find out what the what the possible blast radius is. We know which IP. Uh, an instance was compromised, and we want to see were they reaching out to to other things during that time that they would typically would not so that, so for for doing that sort of stuff, we can do more interesting things like top talkers and pairs and and these sort of things so key takeaways on this one it 's a it's, it's often extremely useful to be able to send historical data to an indexed analysis product uh, within a particular time frame. Uh, you don't necessarily want to be able to have something running at all times in order to access stuff. And sometimes our data uh, in, in an index product can't fit all within the working set uh, for the instance, uh, the cluster, and so you need to be rotating data out. But what do you do when you need to do a deep dive root cause analysis? Or what do you do if the if the data is normally to, uh, uh, doesn't have enough value to sit into an index product at all times. So this reduces your costs, and it reduces your burden of scaling uh, on these Elasticsearch clusters if, you've, you know, if you're building them in real time, uh, and it reduces your operations time overall. Troubleshooting gets easier, too, because you're able to narrow the data down to the specific window in which you need, uh, and you have then only the limited and relevant data for the incident response that you're trying to do an analysis on. And with that, I'm going to pass it back to Bob for the recap. All
0: right. Thanks, Robert. So I I hope that these scenarios, you know, whether you can use them directly or not, I I hope that it's spurred some creative juices on what's possible with CloudWatch Logs and Lambda. You know, as we said, monitoring is more important than ever. I think we probably have an innate sense of that, but it's still too hard. And so we need tools like this and techniques like this to, to work through some of these things. Now, of course, you know as CloudWatch, if I have to simplify the you know, simple statement of the mission of CloudWatch, I would say we, we're trying to make monitoring easier, and we're, you know, we're going to roll out features and, and new services as fast as we can to do that. But ultimately, it is going to be about this broader ecosystem of what you're doing with other AWS services and with other partners. So I should have probably warned everybody. We are going to have some time for questions, so please be thinking about questions just before we get there. We have some links here, so there's some documentation links, As Robert mentioned, all of the code that we showed, all the Lambda functions are in our GitHub AWS Labs now. They're they're live now. So please go check those out and see if there's anything there that's of, of use to you. And of course, evaluations are quite important. We value your feedback and we use that to get better and better each year as we do these things. So please complete those evaluations. So at this point, I would like to open the floor for a few questions if there are questions out there.